and welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter, but we're a little bit biased. I'm your host, Brian Sanders. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. You can follow Eintracht Frankfurt on Twitter at HEFpod. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash HEFpod, or email the show as Frankfurt at yahoo.com. We are live at Kansas City's Oktoberfest at Kansas City Beer Company's Beer Hall, the home of the Bundesliga in Kansas City, uh, for this live broadcast. Uh, alongside with me to talk about the Bundesliga, in addition to Eintracht Frankfurt, is Jensen Rose, our Bayfall Bay correspondent. How are you, bud? Very good. Be good. Uh, doing pretty good. You know, uh, after Thursday, it's kind of hard not to be doing pretty good, admittedly. So, Eintracht Frankfurt coming out of the Bundesliga, playing basically in between uh, the September international break and the October international break, averaging two matches uh, per week. Your club, AFB, also averaging that as well. Indeed. Uh, you guys have a little bit more talent than we do on the pitch and, you know, in the sidelines, but so far, a little bit better than what could be expected after uh, six points in the bag for the Europa League, top of the table in that, and also... Not rock bottom in the Bundesliga, which exactly. at this point, uh, with a smaller club, smaller squad size that Eintracht Frankfurt has, well, smaller are you surprised? Uh, uh, I, I tell you, I'm not. And I remember when you and I first spoke about what was going to be going on in the Europa League. You, 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 you thought, and I think a lot of people thought, you know, this Marseille trip could be tricky, this Lazio trip could be tricky. But I tell you, if you're a middle a middle team in the Bundesliga right now, or or like a or uh, or you know Europa League spots. I feel like you have just as just as good a chance to, to do well in, in the Europa League. Um, mostly because I just really feel like the Bundesliga is really strong right now. Uh, everywhere from about uh, three to about seven. I don't you know I, I clearly don't think there's a, a real top tier um, team outside of Bayern in the league, and I'm not even sure. I think Bayern's good, but I'm I'm worried about the squad depth with Bayern at this point. But you know. It really, I think when we first talked about it, I, you said, oh, you know, Marseille, that's a tough trip, but, you know, what wasn't very well attended. <laughs> and then and we played with 10 men for about half of the match as well. That's right. That's absolutely right. And um, I don't know. I just felt like I had the confidence going in. I mean, I, I know you're starting out with a new coach, and I know... Um, uh, but clubs like BFB have, have uh, pilfered a player or two uh, from there, but I just don't feel like I just don't feel I felt like that um, that general spirit and and that really efficient way that, that Frankfurt has run, I knew was going to hold up well in the Europa League. I, I just you know we we talked about it at the time. I don't feel like Marseille is is even close to what what they were or have been. I feel like they're everybody outside of PSG is a little bit disappointing. Although I think Lyon's gotten better. You know, in Liga on, but just going forward, I felt like I, there was still there was still some cohesiveness in Eintracht, even with departures, even with the coach leaving. I just felt like there's a, a, a general sentiment around the team. I feel like they're so well supported, and it's it's steady, and it's steady in a way that I think is really beneficial for for a, a club in the position that, that that Frankfurt is. And with the new style of play, which you know. Kind of new, kind of not. I don't feel like it's a huge transition. Obviously, your new manager is going to want to be a lot more attacking, it sounds like. But I just feel like with the way that you've played before, 
the transition wasn't going to be that difficult. And I still think there's a good amount of talent uh, at Eintracht Frankfurt. You know, yeah, maybe you're not turning around and selling players to Barcelona for for 80 million, but they're, they're like I said, the word I keep going back to is steadiness. There's there's a steady there that look, you know, maybe maybe you know you're not going to finish in the top two slots um, super often, but you're also not going to be dipping down back into this fight to Liga, you know, anytime soon. So. When you have a team like Nuremberg and Dusseldorf that can, and uh, Hanover, that can uh, give you or that can give you a little bit of pouty, but we can yeah. kind of talk about the relegation race. Uh, Eintracht, as we mentioned, four-one uh, in the Europa League against Lazio in their first match at home. The pyrotechnics were amazing. UEFA banners uh, insulting them were also on full display. So. Two thumbs up right there. <laughs> I mean, coming into this match, uh, I think Eintracht was very lucky in the fact that uh, Lazio was coming off of a, a defeat in the Rome derby, which honestly, for the in Rome, normally uh, Europe means a lot, but the thing is, those guys aren't usually the ones who are playing out for the Serie A title. They, they kind of understand that. They, the teams who play for the Serie A title traditionally have been from way up north or... As of recent, the last decade, what, only in Turin? Yeah, And it's yeah. just one club in Turin? Yeah, they start with a J and end with Juventus, typically, yes. <laughs> but Eintracht Frankfurt, they got out to that crazy early lead, the Costa knocking that one in in the first couple of minutes. To me, it just set such a tone, and, you know... The only player for me that Lazio seemed to have going out there was a former BFB player, uh, Cirio Immobile. Uh, he played well, but it seemed like at the end of the over the course of the 90 minutes that he's the only Lazio guy who really was going for it. But I think it was just a pure extra ground against any German club in general because <laughs> his experience was uh, after that uh, one season and BFB I think uh, was uh, had such a slump during your club's final season, if memory serves me right. And his form was horrible. A lot of money was spent on him. And after that season, it very much was, yeah, you failed, get out. And that would put any bad taste in the player's mouth. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, I don't even really think it was his fault. He was just a poor fit. You know, club system is so, uh, so dependent on a really physical uh, striker who can do many, many things. He that. And, and Immobile is that great... He's a perfect fit for Serie A in that he pounces on mistakes, but that's not to say he's just a poacher. He's a really good player, but just the, the athleticism that, that was needed and, and kind of just a, which wasn't a good a good fit. So I think the things that I lament about his time in Dortmund are much more about his his behavior and the things that he would say in the media. It was a lot like when uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan was struggling in Dortmund. You just would hear things through the press that were like, I understand you're struggling and you want to vent a little bit, and, and you're probably getting, you know, Dortmund's a, a place where expectations are always high, in a lot of cases probably higher than really than they should be. So, <laughs> and, and this, we probably will get a little bit more into this when we talk about, a little bit more about BFLB, but, you know, it's not, sometimes it's not just enough to be out there and win, sometimes it's about the way you look, and after the years of Jurgen Klopp, I just think expectations are a little too high, and I'm sure he felt that when he was there, but... You know, as he's shown in Italy, he's a good fit. Uh -oh. Indeed. 
as, as we talk right now, we have Bayern München versus München Gladbach right on the line. It's a uh, rather fun altercation. Here's hoping that uh, München Gladbach can continue to keep BFOB at the top of the Bundesliga uh, charts. Well, it didn't happen to hurt your guys' result uh, earlier today, but we can get into that in a second. With Eintracht's kind of positive momentum going in, so uh, that's a couple of matches. Uh, actually, since going to Gladbach uh, in the English Revolka last week, uh, it wasn't exactly the best of matches. Then, but then you run into uh, Hanover side, who fixes all ills, uh, it, regardless of whoever you are, it seems. Or this unless you're Brucey Dortmund, in which case you pack it in and play conservative, which for whatever uh. reason. But yes, go on. <laughs> <laughs> but fixed during that. And Madison win, which, I mean, with that crowd and that environment, that was, I am 100% certain that every, for every single player and everyone on the bench uh, for who will be taking part against Hoffenheim, I think that really, uh, that kind of cohesiveness, I think that really will start taking Eintracht uh, forward. As we have Hoffenheim right before the international break, co- coincidence for to be able to get everyone to kind of get more cohesive because only a couple players are going out on uh, international duty. I'd like to think that uh, Eintracht is uh, heading, uh, rolling down the right side of the hill instead of the wrong side of the hill. Uh, so, that being said, Hoffenheim coming off of a rather, uh, they look good against Manchester City, which, let's face it, uh, that is a team managed by Pep Guardiola with more money than the, than Bayern could even dream of. Let's be brutally honest. The boy has yeah. <laughs> spent more money than Bayern has in probably the last decade. And just his, uh, let's see, uh, two full seasons and uh, the bit of this, he spent so much money. I really couldn't blame Hoffenheim for losing, but they didn't look too bad. What, what was your kind of interpretation of, like, is this a Hoffenheim team that, like, is, you know, a good team, or are they just what the as good as the coach, despite the fact that he is headed out the door? See, this is what I wondered. Uh, hey, all right. So, uh, for everybody on the podcast listening here, uh, Jurgen, uh, famous uh, Casey Bierko legend, has walked in, and it's his birthday, so it's a... Uh, and a Bayern Munich fan. Yeah, well, we won't go into that. So, so to sort of address your question here, um, I, I feel like... I expect Hoffenheim to be uh, to be sort of the antithesis of uh, Frankfurt this year and be less stable. Uh, clearly, you've got a coach who's going to have his eye elsewhere, and you know I just don't see Hoffenheim as being the kind of team playing in as many competitions as they are with the ability to retain uh, sort sort of this uh, trajectory they're on and to kind of keep it stay up steady in Champions League spots. Um, so I would expect a little bit of a drop off from them this year. Um, and I think, I, I mean, you kind of alluded to it too. I think this is the right time to be playing Hoffenheim, right? So you're, you're heading into a break. Um, I don't think they're lacking confidence, but I, I just think focus will be the kind of thing to where, you know, Hoffenheim raises their game against teams like Bayern, teams like Dortmund. Um, and I, and I yeah, think that 3 1 loss to begin the season, they did not look bad at all. That was just unfortunate that. The opportunities for Bayern that they had, they converted them, and just it's what happens when uh, I guess you could say the caliber of player that is there. I mean, Aaron Robin, he may be old as sin, but 
guess what? The guy can still, when yeah. he's on his game, the guy can still be a mesmerizing player. And Completely agree. Even if the legs go, that ruthlessness doesn't leave. And that's and that's the thing that, that, that uh, separates Bayern from a team like Hoffenheim outside of, you know, an obvious talent discrepancy. There's a ruthlessness there that that just they walk out there and they know they're going to be better than other people because because the Bayern and that and that also will draw a team like Hoffenheim and you will get their best effort a lot more. But I think and this isn't to say that 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 oh well Frankfurt's you know I check Frankfurt's not um, oh we're not this we're not that that's that's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I just don't I, I think they will look at the bigger clubs and uh, at this point Nagelsmann is 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 going to pay more attention in those matches as he should. And I think I think when we talked about consistent man, you know what you're gonna get out of Frankfurt at this time and I just think I think this is a year that that, uh, that, that Frankfurt could give Offenheim a lot of trouble. And as usual, you know, uh, other Bundesliga fans will certainly be pulling Frankfurt Frankfurt in this match. <laughs> well when you are one of the I guess put it down to four plastic teams though, I would say that uh, two at least have been good servant kind of clubs if you know hey factory working teams as opposed to someone just being an absolute definition of the plastic and we're we're delving into 50 plus one which uh, <laughs> we'll have a, a tiny little clip of that in our interview with Okan Nikolov we kind of talk a little bit about that uh, try to stay away from it but where our preferences lie in that uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, taking on Hoffenheim it is it's a matter of what uh, Hoffenheim team will show up. Is this a team that lost to Manchester who didn't look too bad, or is this going to be the team that lost to Dusseldorf and didn't look too bad, but they lost to Dusseldorf? Right, right. So all things aside, we're going to wrap up our on-track Frankfurt coverage uh, for us here live at Kansas City Beer Company here with the uh, predictions for our match against Eintracht Frankfurt versus Hoffenheim. Jason, what are you predicting that will be happening on Super Sunday at Sunday in the Bundesliga where we have three matches over the course of the day? It's going to be a good Sunday. Uh, this <laughs> is actually top tilt for me because I'm definitely going to be uh, donning my black and red at this point. And I'm pretty confident about this match, actually. And uh, I really like Frankfurt to come away with a 2-1 at this point. Kind of feeling the same thing, but I think actually Eintracht's going to get an early goal. Hoffenheim will get a little frustrated, and an injury and a bad on a substitution will happen. They'll have nobody to come off the bench for them, yeah. and they'll be basically playing 11 versus 10. And whenever that happens, Eintracht kicks butt, takes names off Gates Gladbach as they have just taken the lead yes. on Bayern Munich. So let's let's go, fools. <laughs> Yes, yes. That, that being said, we're going to wrap up segment one here with uh, our favorite bit of the podcast. What are we drinking? Jason, where are you rolling with today? Well, of course, if I'm a Casey Beer Co. and it's morning, it's going to be one of two options. It's either going to be a Fest Beer, if that is available, or the Hefeweizen. And I've done both, but now we're working on the Hefeweizen. There you go, there you go. I have taken, uh, like you said, uh, going that or the Fest Beer. I've chosen the Fest Beer route, so to that... Prost! Prost! And with that, we're in segment one, and uh, get back to you. Segment two is going to be an interview with me and Oka Nikolov that was taking place uh, the other day in the lobby of the Kansas City Marriott Hotel. And uh, stay with that, and then we'll be talking a little bit about this again. And we're here in Kansas City, the hotel where the Los Angeles Galaxy is visiting Sporting Kansas City, but we're not here to talk about that. Major League Soccer is an afterthought here at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. 
I have the privilege to be able to sit down with the goalkeeping coach of the Los Angeles Galaxy, but he needs no introduction, yet I will do so nonetheless. Okan Nikolov, living legend from Eintracht Frankfurt, over 400 appearances with the club, seeing us through the good times and the bad. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. All right, Oka, you, your time with Eintracht was one where you saw really a little bit of everything, qualification for Europe, the, the heights of, you know, hitting into, like, uh, those qualifications, making it to the Pokal final uh, for the 06 final against Bayern Munich. And if you can sum up your uh, time in Frankfurt in just <laughs> a brief little bit, what, what has it meant to you and what has it meant for your family? And yeah, just go there. Yeah, it's, I mean, I played 22 years for a club, so it's not easy to bring it <laughs> that quick. Uh, uh, over about yeah how you said like I had bad times and good times but um, I don't want to miss both because the bad times make me made me as a person I guess uh, to grow up and uh, and also the good times like you said the finals <laughs> or the, when you get promoted like important games and it was like yeah it was like actually 22 years but it was quick on the end, and uh, and yeah, it was an incredible time. I, mean, I remember back like the fans, the stadium, and it's like a it's a, like a different life. It's like um, it's over, and I'm coaching now, but I'm still in touch with Frankfurt, with some players still in touch, and the coaches, and some people who still work for Eintracht. So uh, I'm still pretty close to the, this club. That's, I mean, it's, it's players like yourself that have a long connection with the team that, you know, when they talk, when Eintracht makes, you know, somehow they make a multiple cup finals in the last two years, you know, right. they bring out these former players that are able to talk about their own personal experiences. I, I kind of foresee you being in that same exact seat, you know, being uh, interviewed by, you know, German TV, kind of looking back on your career. Um, Something that I wanted to kind of touch on. Uh, you you went through Eintracht's uh, Youth Academy. You went through the reserve team and into the first team, making your first appearance in 1995. And uh, would you say that uh, that in that that best prepared you going through the youth ranks of the same club best prepared you for a successful career with the club or do you think that uh, it kind of differs from each case whether you know you go through in the youth set up with one team but then you start your senior career with another I mean I played just one year for the youth uh, under 19 for Andrew Frankfurt so it's tough to say I was going through the youth teams but um I mean, I grew up in this area, and Frankfurt was always the biggest club in uh, in my area, and I always want to play for them. So, and I guess that helped. And, uh, <laughs> but it was a good experience to to start like, and I started with 15 to play a pretty high level youth Bundesliga, how they call it, um, and that helped for sure to play like always in a young age, the highest level as you can. And yeah, then it's and then you need a little bit of luck because I guess you have so many talented soccer players or goalies, or whatever. But to get a spot 
it's not that many spots open, so it's always tough to, to jump in, in a roster. And um, I was lucky to get there because they fired, it's a big story, like they fired the first goalie and then the second goalie on the first thing want to leave. And so they need like two new goalies, so they took me as a second goalie and uh, bought a new one. So yeah, on the end I was, was there, but I, th I think every path is different. So my path was to spend a little bit of time in the youth team and second team and then to get professional. But I don't believe it's like important to be in, it, in, the, in the club for the youth. The evolution of the role of the goalkeeper has changed so significantly. And this is kind of going towards uh, how you kind of work with uh, players now as a goalkeeping coach. In the 90s, you know, uh, you, your leaders and your most prominent goalkeepers were Oliver Kahn in the Bundesliga. Mm -hmm. And now you have Manuel Neuer, who in the World Cup, I mean, he was on the other, yeah. Side, yeah. other half of the pitch getting involved for Germany. How would you say that uh, the, the role that you played has kind of evolved over, like, over your career and mm -hmm. now seen it, uh, through the eyes of a coach? Yeah, like in my time when I played, like we had Oliver Kahn, but also Jens Riemann. He was like a little bit more modern than Oliver Kahn. And so we already could watch like Jens Riemann. He was good with his feet. And at start, you have to play as a sweeper almost. And it changed like also in my time. So uh, yeah, for sure, like in Neuer, it's like, you say, like the most complete goalie like what saving and with his feet or testing and so it's it, it was a, it was a pleasure to watch them playing and play against them and I took a lot from them and just want to bring it to our goalies like I worked for the union two years so I tried with Andre Blake and John McCarthy to bring more like um, the playing goalie and that's the same thing what I'm doing now here with the Galaxy. Excellent. Uh, you kind of touched uh, coming to the Philadelphia Union. You first went to them as a player immediately following your time with the Eintracht and then went back to, went back to them uh, as a goalkeeping coach uh, during your time kind of under Ernie Stewart. Um, if I can kind of go through your uh, time working for the Philadelphia Union where you, and you kind of mentioned some of the keepers that have been able to develop. What are some of the things that uh, you're most proud of during your time there? Actually, the, the reason why I came over was like because I don't want to be just a, a goalie coach. Mm -hmm. And that's different in the States. In, in, in Germany, you are like a goalie coach. And mm -hmm. that's it. Here in the States, it's more like you are more included as a coach, as an assistant coach. You have to take care of the goalies, that's for sure. But you are more included and you can bring your opinion about tactics or first 11 whatever like around soccer and that's why it was a big big reason to come over because I just want to be I don't want to just be a goalie coach and, and um, when I played 2013 for the union Jim Curtin was the assistant coach and I played with Chris Albright at this time so and they called me to 16 if I want to come over and we stayed always in touch so that was a big reason those two was a big reason to come over so yeah it, it started it was a big surprise for me but um, yeah I loved it I love MLS it's a it's a very interesting um, 
league because it's like when I played and now it's 2018 it's going like it's going good in a, in a good way like it's growing and the stadiums the new stadiums like the, the, the people who are watching getting bigger and, and it's like a, it's a pretty interesting league and I'm pretty sure in five to ten years when it's going like that it could be one of the top five league in the league uh, in the world wow old statement there so here's a question then I have uh, your uh, your former sporting director Ernie Stewart has now been hired on by the United States mm-hmm. uh, national team as a general manager what is your opinion of him and uh, what do you think that Americans can expect from him then he's a pretty straight guy what I like he's he he tell you what he think and what you expect from you and what his uh, expectations are and he's working hard to get his goals what I personally really like and and he's I think he's uh, the right fit for this position because he's pretty open as a person you can always talk if you need to talk to him but he's pretty um, focused for his goals like for his team and he will always the best for his team and Yeah, I, I think it will take time to get his ideas like to the U.S. Uh, national team, but I think it, it's a great um, fit for the U.S. national team. You've worked with uh, players at the youth level and kind of senior level. How would you compare, uh, knowing knowing how the kind of German setup is uh, when the Bundesliga and the respective uh, leagues below in youth and at the senior level, how would you compare... Uh, the American youth setup at to Germany. You, actually, you, <laughs> just the level, or like because like well, the MLS just, rules are different. Like let's let's, the, let's the focus just on the, and the, the trades, and you don't have that in Europe. But I don't have to tell you that. So <laughs> it's a little bit as a coach to make a roster or to get your roster together. It's way harder in the states in MLS than in Europe for me because you can. You have a budget. You can spend your money however you want. But here in the MLS, you need like you have so many rules, so that's harder. And but like level-wise, it's again, it's it's growing. It's getting better and better. And I remember when I played for the Union, it was pretty okay. But now we have pretty good players, young players also in the MLS who raise the level and and yeah again it's like I'm pretty sure if the MLS going this way there will be and they are already interesting league but there will be one of the best league in a in couple of years alright switching back to the Eintracht which is uh, what brings us together today um, where where were you uh, for the recent Pokal final Actually, I was in the air. I don't know where <laughs> we came back from. Uh, we came back from an away game, and and yeah, I just I was I saw like on my phone like the first 10 minutes, then we have to leave. So actually, I couldn't watch it. It was it was sad, but it is how it is. Works works. The the kind of fan celebrations and everything that has come afterwards, a lot of changes uh, gone on at the Eintracht. If I can put you on the spot, what a, what have you thought of 
the changes made with Eintracht with the signing of the new coach and the new uh, new hiring of players? I mean, I didn't met this coach, uh, Andy Hütter. I didn't met him, but I uh, went twice uh, when uh, Kovac was Nico Kovac was there, and he actually all also changed a lot and uh, what like nutrition, like the food, and the players have to be pretty early there. They have to make tests, like blood tests, if how they feel, and it was pretty impressive uh, to see. Like for my time when I played, it was like also like professional, but it's getting in a way to the players get yeah they get controlled actually and how they feel and if they don't feel well or something is in the blood who makes the muscles sore or whatever they they rest them and just it was pretty impressive and interesting to to the, to to watch them and. Yeah, and and from the team, I actually don't know that many players anymore. It changed so quick in Europe, so I still know one guy who's still playing there, Marco Ross, and, and Kevin Krupp. He's back. Yeah, he's back in Frankfurt. So, but other than that, it changed so quick. So the roster is like in two years, there's a new roster. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a changing times indeed for Frankfurt. Um, with the kind of way that most Bundesliga clubs are set up, with the the fifty plus one rule, if I can kind of get your opinion on it, do you foresee that being able to stick around long term in the Bundesliga, or do you have a funny feeling that like some Martin Kins and uh, Dietmar Hopp will get their way, and the fifty plus one rule, which came about during your time as a player, yeah. will uh, go extinct? Uh. Yeah, but it, it's. I don't know. It's right now. It's. I think the league, the Bundesliga, doing well, so they don't have to change that much. So I think they should just stick with that. But I guess they want to compare to England a little bit, and England is like what money-wise, it's like too far away. And I, I don't. I'm not a politician, political man. <laughs> I don't want to talk too much about it, but I think they do a good job. The Bundesliga they should keep it like that. I I will totally I will admit I will totally agree on that. Yeah. I like the fact that I'm able to uh, carry around my own membership uh, to the Eintracht. You know, oh, right? You're. Yeah, carrying around yeah. <laughs> my own membership to the Eintracht in yeah. my wallet, yeah. and the fact that you know, for me, I mean, knowing that I'm a part of dying tract it means so much more to me than you know me just you know buying a scarf online and watching them on TV yeah. it means so much more of totally. a connection yeah it's I agree with that because it's like yeah you when you lose the control about the club you lose everything so and they shouldn't do it now I, I said it I'm a, <laughs> I'm also like you I'm a fan like keep it like that it's fine and it's great and yeah well, Oka, I'd like to thank you very much for coming Anytime. on our no Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast. Yeah. And uh, good luck with the Los Angeles Galaxy as you guys are pushing for the playoffs. And uh, here's hoping that uh, you guys will have a very successful season. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you much. very much.
And here we're back, segment three, the final segment of our live podcast at Kansas City's Oktoberfest from KC Beer Company, the home of the Bundesliga in Kansas City. Uh, Jason Rose here to talk with me a little about everything else, Baseball Bay and the rest of the Bundesliga. So that all being said, let's talk a little bit about your last two, your last three matches, which are just kind of epitomes of how the season is going. Uh, Leverkusen down two 0 on the road. And you make your flurry of subs, and suddenly everything changes. Pulisic taken off, Jaden Sancho, uh, Paco on, and uh, forgetting the third substitution that you guys had in that match. And suddenly the game was turned on its head, yeah. and you guys were just rip, rip, ripping those guys a new one. And this is a Leverkusen that I thought after two successful wins and a win in the Europa League, I thought, hey, this is some... Awesome mojo, and considering the fact that they also won in the Europa League just this Thursday, that's a showing that me, to me, that Bayfield Bay is more of a force and really is deserving of their top spot in the Bundesliga, regardless of whatever the heck Bayern does. Yeah, and and what's been interesting is I, I think the the reputation of Lucien Favre is, is a pragmatist, right? Like. He's definitely have had teams that have had some attacking firepower, but I think we're seeing... and Hertha Berlin in his two last Bundesliga Cups. Right, yeah, absolutely. And they and don't have the kind of money that FLB does on the fan base and everything that comes with it. Right, and, and I think I think the new no, system... More a little bit more pressure. Yeah, I, well, I think I think the, I think his system brought some some questions because, you know, going into this season, you know, how, how does he take the pieces that Dortmund have last year? Um, but what we are seeing is we're seeing a completely re-whack, uh, reworked back line. Uh, you know, today, neither Lucas Pichek nor Marcel Schmelzer are on the field. Uh, there's no oh, more... Uh, there's Yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's no more Socrates. There's no, you know, completely reworked back line. So in a match today, I'm not surprised that they gave up as many goals as they did because you're talking about a group that hasn't... There's no stability at the back. There, you know, you've got players who maybe don't even really know that well the man that's playing next to them so giving up the goals is is not something i was tremendously surprised by uh augsburg has been a club who has really given dortmund a lot of problems in the last in the last few years like so no i'm not surprised by this there just seems to be some sort of switch that gets turned on about the 60th minute right now of matches to where it's like okay we're we're not going to lose this and I had expected, especially going into a match like, you know, I, I touched on it earlier, we went into Hanover playing hi- hyper-conservative. Uh, you, you saw really what was a, a double sex at the back um, with with Delaney and Witzel, you're talking about guys who aren't really heavy creators. You know, Witzel has some talent in that department, but, you know, we're, we're not talking about a guy you're going to confuse with, a you know, Ilkay Gundogan, a, a real creative type eight. So, so seeing them go into games just very, uh, very conservative, especially for the first few minutes, and then almost just letting the game blossom as it goes along, has been a little surprising because my estimation following the first few matches, oh, oh, we'll be a little, a little boring this year, but very complicated to beat, and that's sort of how it started out. But now it's developing into, oh well. Yeah, sure. We're going to spot you a goal or two, but then once the, you know, once the 60th minute kicks in, we get our first substitution. Is the gear, the, the gears turn, and we're going to pick up a goal every 10 or 15 minutes. It's it's crazy. It's pretty awesome because like I'll, I'll talk about Vitzel, and I want to kind of go to Jaden Sancho and Paco as well, and those in that in that kind of order. Axel Vitzel, 
you know, he's, I would say he's probably a key player in the long-term future of Borussia Dortmund because, and he's had some really, like, high-profile, okay, maybe not like Barcelona, Real Madrid, one of the Manchester's kind of, like, high-pinnacle kind of club. But, you know, I, clubs that I would consider not too bad. Like, uh, that team with him, uh, Steve, uh, uh, Defoe at Liège, that was a really good Saint-Liège team in Belgium for a while there that really was, like, a top 20 club or course of year. But, look, that doesn't usually stick along in those kind of the Flanders area with in Netherlands. Belgium, really just any country that's not one of the top fives, and even France, if you want to tick them off outside of PSG, you can't really hold on to the guys too long, but he's gone to some big places. He's, uh, I think it's Benfica in uh, Portugal. And yeah, spent Zenit, some time in Russia and Zenit, Zenit, yeah. At, at Zenit, which is, which to anyone who, you know, has even an idea of what the teams are in Russia, it's like, you got your Moscow clubs, you got this Kazan club that has had some good times and it kind of pops up in and out, but they're always kind of there. And he has Zenit St. Petersburg, who is, and St. Petersburg is a massive city. That Kurovsky Stadium is one of the biggest and most beautiful stadiums we saw at the World Cup. He's played at some big places, not been at the very peak, but I think that maybe if he played long term, this could be one of his best moves and he could, you know, if he's happy there, I mean, Painful Bay is a club that is. Like, to him, he can say, I'm in a top 10 club in the world. If I don't go anywhere else, is that really a bad thing? You can look back on your life and say, best club in Portugal, best club in your own home country, best club in Russia. And now at the... Borussia Dortmund has proven themselves to be kind of that consistent two. Sometimes three consistent two, sure. But consistent top performer in one of the other in like one of the one of the major leagues of Europe I don't think that he's going to have a problem staying with you guys and I think his performances are there's only going to be more to come and and, and I, I totally agree and I think I think maybe here's what he's brought to the team that I, I felt like when watching him with Belgium he was a good steady player what I didn't expect is this is a guy who's moved to a lot of places that maybe he, he you think on the surface he's not going to fit in that well and what I think that points to is a player who's a very strong character. And this is something really Dortmund is not, not lacked, but like you just didn't have that one central, like steady guy who was sort of at the front and, 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 and in a in a tough moment can can look at somebody else and say, Hey, this isn't that big of a deal. You know, we got this. And and I think that was so that was so important when you look back at the at the Thomas Tuchel years, or when you look back at all the all the years last year where they would go down and and big goals and the wheels would kind of you know they fall off the proverbial bus. What you see now is they get down but they don't get out, and and when they're down in a match, there's a confidence there, and that's that's a big thing that he brings to the match is a confidence, and then. Which I don't think is as critical at some position. Like, yeah, sure, you, you know, you got to have a confident striker. But I think at a place where this is your pivot, this is the guy that turns the match back, and then and then you you build your attack from there, and, and you're preventing other teams from maybe getting into into the area and, and breaking up plays. And to have that player bring a confidence, that that's a really key ingredient that I don't know that I I didn't know enough about him, but I also just didn't know that I would have predicted that. Let's talk about the attack, because these other two players are the attacking mindset. Jaden Sancho, he's got a call-off from the England national team, and 
probably the first uh, English player that is like under 21 years of age who's playing in a foreign country to be called up to that national team. That Oh, when I say that, not Scotland, uh, when they had yeah. the whole banning order when they couldn't play in Europe. He's kind of a, I would almost put him down as a little bit of a trailblazer to you guys now and re-signed him long-term. He's he's kind of a, he's got that wow factor that really when you come into the, once you get passed into the 60th minute and he gets brought on, I mean, his, his con- contribution rate for goals and assists is just off the charts amazing. And, you know, hey, 60 minutes in, you or I are usually probably gassed when we're playing in soccer. And, you know, the professionals usually, hey, they got some legs on that's fresh legs. He's exciting, and I mean, I he's been phenomenal. And it's like it. What has Lucien Favre done that has made it suddenly take over? I Granted, think Peter Stoker was probably the wrong guy to try and make that happen before that. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think a lot of that really belongs on on Sancho, and that and with the reports I hear out of Dortmund, he's a he's a young man that's really growing up a lot with his time on the on on the pitch, and I think. He's really making the best out of it. I mean, you, you look at it this way. He's basically been, the, you know, the super sub of super subs over the last few years. So it would be really easy for him to sit back and go, I left Manchester City for this, and, I'm, you know, I'm only getting, you know, 15 to 30 minutes a match. You know, he's treating that as his opportunity. He's, he's treating that as his debut. He's one of the profile leagues of the year. That's right. And and, and I think maybe, maybe the critical difference is, is, you know, people talk about a lot about Pulisic. I think maybe Pulisic does a little more of the dirty... Dirty defending and the counter pressing a little better than Sancho, but I think that you know there's two di- two years difference between the, the two. That isn't to, to say um, Jaden Sancho won't do those things, but what he is is he's electric on the ball and there's a vision that he possesses that that's allowing him to get into positions. He saw, saw on the ball today that he played to uh, Paco Acosta, which which brought Dortmund back into the match, and that that was the key change. <laughs> So, so he in his ability to find space, like you mentioned, against dead legs, but 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 also there's a, there's an energy that he's bringing, in, and and some of that sure is youth, but I think it is also it's it's understanding your role within the team right now and saying, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to come in and I'm going to go I'm going to go crazy and operate in space for 30 minutes, and I'm going to be almost impossible to defend against, especially against. You talk about like Leverkusen. You you had mentioned it at one point. Dortmund sat back and let Leverkusen overpress and wear themselves out and then said, hmm, okay, now that you've got 60 minutes, let's see if you can chase this little guy around for a while. And you, you just don't want to give him that much space. You don't want to give him that much time. But if you've been pressing for 60 minutes, you can't help but do that. So I think what will be interesting going forward with Sancho is, does he take that next step? Does he improve his counter-pressing? Does, is, is he able to do the little gritty things that... that uh, that Pulisic has learned to do in the Dortmund Academy. And, and yeah, I think it's a bright spot for the England future, and I think he's made a good decision because you really touched on this. Okay, so maybe you're only getting 30 minutes. He's getting 30 minutes in the Champions League. He's getting, he's getting like, real screen time. People are noticing him. How many other players for a national team as big as England are coming in to play for the national team who are a super sub, right? So he's getting a tryout because he's taken that role so well and because I do I do I really I believe that he's grown as, as a man as a player so it's, it's been awesome to see Paco Alcacer what can you say about this guy who just scored you guys a hat trick against <laughs> Augsburg and the winner in the 96th minute today 
Well, so th- this is a player that I, I had, I've always had mixed feelings about. Um, I-, I was never that sure he would fit in at Barcelona. I, I liked him a lot at Valencia, and but well, just wasn't so sure because the, 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 when he was coming into Dortmund, I heard he, he really doesn't want to leave. He wants to raise his kids in Spain, which, you know, he's Spanish. He's from Valen- the, the Valencian province. It makes sense to me. But I just wasn't sure if it was a good fit. Um, but a, a, as I read more about him and as I and as I remember sort of what the FOB system means, sure, he, he is a really good fit, actually, for the FOB system. And, and I was. I was very skeptical, uh, you know, initially. But... He's even played through a, so a, a nagging injury or two to get on the on the pitch, and I tell you, it, his ability to, to work in the box and just innately know where to be, and then there's a quality to like the finish that he put on today. Like yes, Jaden Sancho put the ball in the perfect place, and the goalie had no, and the keeper had no opportunity. But the keeper had no opportunity because of the placement of the ball. He, he knows exactly where to be. That like those tight situations when he's in with somebody else do not bother him, and I think maybe that's what's been the most impressive for me is, is his ability to just immediately fit in with a new system in a new country where he doesn't know the language, and I'm not entirely sure he really wants to be in Germany in general. I think he's a, a, a kind of your traditional Spanish player that's totally okay staying in Spain, um, but yeah, he's he's been a great fit, and I think between his vision and his ability to to move without the ball has just been unbelievable and I, I don't see him staying much longer than, than a year or two because I, I just really think he's going to end up back in Spain but I think Dortmund will look back and go okay well we didn't really have a striker option at that time so this this was ultimately a good move and, and in a year right now where you know Dortmund's management structure has been under some scrutiny for some of the personnel moves I think you look at Batshuayi in this one so far, is a pretty raging success as far as loan deals go. Even if, yeah, ultimately, you're not getting uh, you're not getting money back out of him when he leaves, but you're getting production. We're maintaining and establishing a place in the Champions League, which ultimately, to me, is the most important part. All right, so let's talk about the rest of the Bundesliga as uh, Bayern Munich currently trails in the 31st minute to Mönchengladbach 2-0, which should uh, three points go to the Fools. Bayern will be outside of the top four. That is kind of scary, kind of great. Um, I mean, Werder Bremen, a great win, or, uh, great win on Friday, 14 points, three points behind you guys. You guys have a three-point gap between yourselves, Bremen. Hertha Berlin, who's now on 14 points. Well, I mean, Bayern, I guess, could move to 16 should they make a comeback of the century. But, I mean, in terms of the way that the top of the table has kind of panned out, was leave Bayern aside, what have you thought of the likes of Bremen and Berlin kind of, uh, and even a little bit Gladbach kind of punching their way into the talk for the European places at this point right before our, the October international break? I think what we're seeing more than anything, and I, I do want to touch on, I know you wanted to move away from Bayern for a moment, but like, I still at this point say, you know, I look back at, at George W. Bush, uh, <laughs> fool me once, shame on me, won't get fooled again, right? right? So, like, I'll believe Bayern won't be there when I don't see a, a, a big pile of injuries um, and, and a little more challenge depth. I think you're going to see a, a, a quality acquisition or two 
unfortunately, uh, in, they got in the, the winter transfer, that's right. They've got and, and they and let's give them a lot of credit that they have been absolute animals in the transfer market. At, at being, they know exactly the kind of player they want to pursue. They get that player a lot of times for free or at a very low price. And when some of these guys they acquire, if it's not working out, they say, "All right, we're going to ship you elsewhere." I think I think Bayern in, in little time will be back up near the top. Um, you know, still early season, and I think they're figuring some things out. And they've got injuries. I think a lot of what you've seen is this turnover. Is this is a trend that I've noticed a lot in the Bundesliga? You see, you see teams like let's let's use Bremen for example. They're playing fewer matches per week. They're able to go out, focus very specifically on improvements, little by little, and. Having extra training and, and being more fresh is allowing teams to kind of make that push back up near the top. And that's not to say I don't think teams like Werder are going to stick around. But I think this is a pattern you see. I mean, look, look at the classic case with like you know FC Um You know, you <laughs> maybe get up. one of the maybe one of the best examples. Oh, you play. Uh, you go on the three front fight. Yeah. You really. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you get on the up, up when you're when you're water skiing. Sometimes you get up. You get allowed over your skis, and you absolutely just absolutely. Hey, okay, for the listeners there, we've got uh, one of our friends stopping in to say hi to us. So <laughs> this is how Oktoberfest works at KC Beer Co. Good to see you guys. So, I, I, yeah, obviously Kuhn is the extreme example of that. Uh, you know, uh, they a little out over their skis and end up face-planting. But what I, th- I think you're going to see is things level out. Uh, Schalke's not going to stay where they're at. Uh, things, things will get back to a little bit of normalcy. But I do, I think you're seeing teams that are able to take the, the training practices and, and, and the things that I believe German teams do really well, which is the preparation and they're, and they're able to, okay, we've got one match fewer than, than teams are in the Europa League every week. And I think this is one place where Eintracht, you know, bucks the trend in that. I don't think playing in the Europa League is going to be too troubling. I think I think Frankfurt's you can expect another nice the finish. Ro- the fact that we knocked out the two biggest teams, we went away to Marseille, that turned out to be awesome because exactly. no one was allowed to attend outside of uh, staff. Won that. Beat Lazio at home. Guess when we play Lazio? Last match day. We have two games against the Cypriot team. In theory, you have nine po- you have nine points after your first four matches in uh, the Europa League Champions League. You're pretty much set for the yeah. knockout phase. I try could not uh, be better off. I think I think you guys can actually coast just slightly in we Europa are, right we, now. We were yeah. a tough group. Yeah, and, and we got through. Half of the matches against the top teams only have the, quote, lesser team of the four, let's be honest, to remain. And that's a home and home. Yeah, and if you see, like, let's just take a look at this group. A lot of years you'd see... Okay, this looks like maybe maybe a like weak Champions League group. No, this is this is the Europa League group, right? So this is strong. Yeah. Europa League group. So that's where I think that's where I think Eintracht is going to bunk the trend this year. The teams who are who are ooh we're kind of new into the Champions League, ooh we're kind of new into the Europa League are going to continue to struggle because squad depth is an issue across the Bundesliga, right? Not everybody has the kind of depth that that. I'm, I'm just going to be selfish and say it. Bruce Dortmund has a tremendous amount of depth right now. Like, we're not always sure right now who we're going to slot into place, and that will help us down the stretch. But, and, and, and I know this is why one of the reasons I like being on this podcast is we, we can we can come in and praise and say, okay, this is the trend in the Bundesliga. And I do think teams that are new to these Europe comp- European competitions 
are going to struggle a little bit. But I don't expect that from, from Frankfurt. I expect them to stay steady. You know, you, you know what to expect. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch a team like Bremen go forward because, hey, how many matches we got to play a week? Only maybe in an English book are we going to have too much extra to do. And, uh, yeah. There'll be just a DFB Pokal match uh, in, after the October break in between October and November's international break. Untracked to Borussia Dortmund, on the other hand, uh, a little bit uh, different in the fact that you got Europa League. Untracked at least doesn't have the DFB Pokal. Well, that's what that happened. Uh, what you going to do about that? Yeah. Kind of men- mentioned Schalke, but the thing is, Leverkusen and Schalke have kind of pulled themselves off the basement. Leverkusen still has a match to play on Sunday as we're recording on Saturday, part of the Bundesliga. If we're going to pick out teams that are going to drop, I don't, I kind of wonder where, I think the Stuttgart will still pull themselves out of it, but I think it's going to take a coaching change to do that, whilst 16th place Hanover, 17th place Dusseldorf. You're down there for a reason because you are who you are. Yeah. Gotta love you because you're a lot bigger club than the likes of uh, your Darmstadt's. Yeah. Sorry. And if there's a Darmstadt <laughs> listen to her, listener here, you know, you I, might will, be I will con- rub the dirt in on yeah. you because we expect the And let's be honest, we're confused as to why you're here. We're confused as to why you're here. But but thank you for joining us. Exactly. Exactly. So all that being said, uh we hope that everyone who listens to this podcast has enjoyed uh, the fall season as it comes in, as Oktoberfest brings a lot of fans together. We've come, we've come here to chat Bundesliga, not just Eintracht, but the Bundesliga, German soccer as well, over some beers. Here's some glasses to that. Here, prost. And uh, with that, Jason, where can we find you in the social media landscape of the world? As always, you can find me at Gelba Cartoon on, uh, on Twitter. That's G-E-L-B-E-C-A-R-T-O-O-N. Sometimes I tweet in German. A lot of times it's in Spanish, don't let that upset you. Um, I am a, a university student in Spanish, so that's the explanation there. Um, and uh, you know, every once in a while, I'm on the Yellow Wall Pod. Um, it's it's always good to be on, Brian. I, I like I like joining you guys on this pod because um, one of the nice things about this pod is that you guys actually explore other things in the Bundesliga. And uh, there are some podcasts out there that don't touch much on that. So uh, I, I I find that. You guys do a really good job of uh, a, a, a big scope as well as getting more in-depth into uh, what's going on around the Eagles. I appreciate that very much, Jason. You can follow KI and Trek Frankfurt on Twitter at HEFPod. You can follow us on Facebook, uh, get new episode drops, new uh, information on the Eintracht, all in Eng- the English language. And that can be found at facebook.com slash HEFPod. Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt at yahoo.com is our email address. You can follow me, Brian Sanders, at KCSE. So from I at K- KC Beer Company's Oktoberfest and Jason Rose, uh, until next time, juice, juice. Hey, I'm Frankfurt, la 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 la. Hey, I'm Frankfurt, la 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 la.